through chapter 7 of the book of Acts, we've talked about the ministry of the church uh, in Jerusalem, how the church grew there in Jerusalem, and the gospel spread and reached literally thousands of people there in Jerusalem. But that's where it kind of stayed, was right there in Jerusalem. But Jesus said, "Ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So as, as, as the Holy Spirit empowered them to do the work that he's called, the, that he's called us to do, he, that work was accomplished there in Jerusalem. But now it's time for it to spread through all Judea and Samaria. So we come to chapter 8. Come to chapter 8 of, of the book of Acts. And, and if, you have the, if you have our app downloaded on your phone or tablet or whatever you're using this morning, you can pull up the, uh, pull up the sermon notes there and... Uh, and uh, and you'll, you can follow along there if you don't have it. Uh, your, Bible is, your Bible is great. Let's, uh, let's follow along in your Bible. And if you, don't have a, if you don't have a hard copy like that, you can pull the Bible up on your phone. And if you say, I don't have a Bible app on my phone, I know a good one you can use. It's, it's a version Bible app. But if you don't have that, then, hey, just go to Bible.com. That's simple, isn't it? And you can follow right along with us. Uh, you can look up these verses and everything, and it'll, it'll be a help to you. Uh, but uh, Jesus said, Jesus said, Ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Chapter 7, we talked about, uh, 6 and 7, we talked about the, the man named Stephen. Stephen was one that was chosen by the church to, to help accomplish uh, the, the ministry of the church, ministering to widows who were being neglected uh, in, in uh, their, their needs weren't being met and things like that. And so the, so the apostles told the church, said, look out among you and choose seven men. And these men, they were, they were chosen to, to wait tables essentially. They were servants to the church. Uh, and and the, the Bible word for that is deacon. The deacons were servants to the church, and Stephen was one of those. And, and uh, I'm glad that he realized that, that, it, that serving tables wasn't all that he was supposed to do because he also had the responsibility to share the gospel. He loved Jesus so much that he just wanted to talk about him. So he would go to the synagogue and he would talk to them about Jesus. And, and, and as we talked about the last couple of weeks, he came under fire for that. And last week we talked about how he was stoned and put to death because his testimony for Jesus Christ. But his response was Christ-like. It says in, in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, And Saul was consenting unto his death. There was a young man there, one of the Pharisees, who was a member, uh, it, it seems a member of the Sanhedrin, the, the ruling council there, and gave his approval for Stephen to be put to death. He stood there and held the coats of those who were throwing the rocks, and, and he was consenting uh, uh, and gave his authorization for, for the death of Stephen. The Bible says at that time there was great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. A great persecution arose there in, in Jerusalem against the church. 
Perhaps Stephen's testimony had something to do with it, what he was preaching about Jesus Christ and, and, and maybe the, the, the ruling uh, leaders there in, uh, of the, the temple, maybe they were looking at it and saying, hey, we, we thought that we had put an end to this by crucifying Jesus. We thought that we'd stamp this out by, by beating Peter and John and telling them don't preach in this name. And now we've had to put this Stephen to death. We just need to put a stop to, this, to this, uh, these followers of that Nazarene. And so they, so persecution began to spread, and, and the Bible says that the, the believers, they were all scattered abroad throughout all the region of Judea and Samaria. Interesting. They were witnesses in Jerusalem, and now through persecution, they're scattered where? Through all Judea and in Samaria, right where Jesus said, you'll be witnesses unto me. For the next few chapters in the book of Acts, we're going to be looking at the ministry, how the ministry of, of the gospel advanced into Jerusalem, uh, into Judea and Samaria. And the Bible says they were all scattered abroad in, throughout the regions of D Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. So this Saul, who was consenting unto Stephen's death, who gave his authority and his approval for them to stone Stephen, he begins to go on this, on this, this mission going door to door um, and, and, and looking, for, looking for believers. Kind of reminds us of what we've heard about going on uh, that, has, that went on in Afghanistan recently. When, uh, when uh, our troops were pulled out and things like that and, and the, uh, the, uh, the Taliban were going, were going door to door through some of the neighborhoods looking for anybody that, was, that had any kind of Western influence, but especially those who were Christians. They were looking for them and Saul was doing just that. He was going door to door. And, and the, the wording here gives us the idea that, that he was, uh, the Bible says that he, was, he, he made havoc of the church. What that's talking about is he was, he was, uh, he was acting violently against them. It gives us the, the idea of like an animal uh, hunting its prey. And once it finds its prey, it grabs it and it, sh it shreds it. It just rips it open. And this is the way Paul, or, or Saul rather, this is the way Saul was going after the believers. I'm grateful that we don't have anybody looking to do that to us today. But I'm, I'm, I'm even more grateful that, they, that these believers, even though that was the, the kind of persecution they came under, I'm glad they didn't say, well, you know what, this, I, I didn't sign up for this. I'm done. I'm not following Jesus anymore. You know, honestly, perhaps there were some that did. Later, uh, when, later this, this guy, spoiler alert, alert, Saul gets saved. Praise the Lord for that. He becomes, he becomes who we know as the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest preachers ever to, ever to live. And, and, and Paul later gives his testimony, and he said, he said that, he, that he would arrest these believers and compel them. And the, the Greek word used for compel there, it means that he, he used like extreme force, probably some torture to cause them to recant to cause them to, to say they don't believe in Jesus. But those that would not, many of them gave their lives for Jesus Christ. 
But those that Saul did not catch, they were scattered about throughout all Judea and Samaria. And I can imagine there were times in the life of those, in the lives of those early believers that it might have seemed like God had forgotten all about them. That he had abandoned them. Well, Jesus, it's a fine time for you to leave. You've gone to heaven and now we're, we're here to, to face these, these soldiers and, and Saul and this persecution. I can imagine that the enemy might have been put, planting some of those thoughts in their minds. But we need not think that God has forgotten us. Because Jesus said, that, Jesus said that it was needful for him to go away because if he did not go away, the Comforter would not come unto us. And, and when he went away, uh, the Holy Spirit did come upon the church and he indwelled the believers and he was with them. The Spirit of God was with them through the time of persecution. He was there to give them grace to go through the difficulties. He was there to give them grace to go through the opposition, to go through the torture, to even go through death. He was there, and he's there for you. He's there for me when our difficulties come. Here in America, with our freedoms that we, that we still have, uh, we, we're not, as I said, we're not facing people kicking our door in, looking to arrest believers and put us to death. But when you go to work tomorrow, there's going to be some rules. There's going to be some people who are opposing your, your Christian beliefs and things like that. And, and you may face some opposition there. And I don't think that you need to jump up on your desk and open your Bible and take a text and go to preaching. But I do believe that you need to let your light shine. Be a witness for Jesus Christ. Love them like Jesus did. Show grace to them even when they are, are critical, even when they're uh, saying mean things about you, whatever it is, whatever situations you face, you can live for Christ and you can let Christ be seen in you. It was because of what Stephen uh, did, letting his light shine for Jesus Christ, witnessing for Jesus Christ, being a testimony and a reflection of Jesus in his very death, saying, uh, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge, following the example of Jesus Christ. It was Stephen's example, and no doubt the example of many other believers that, that led to uh, Saul coming under conviction and giving in to the Spirit of God. But often we can be like the disciples when Jesus told them to get in the boat. He said, we're going to, we're going to go to the other side. And, and they got in the boat and, and launched out into the deep. And Jesus laid down in the back of the boat and went to sleep. And a storm came up. And, and it, was, it was a bad storm. And, and uh, they, they came and, and woke Jesus up and said, Master, don't you care that we're dying here? And sometimes we may feel that way. Lord, don't you care about what we're going through? Hey, hey, I, I know you've got a lot going on, but we're, we're still here and we're facing some difficult times. Really, in comparison, you know, in comparison to what other believers are facing around the world and in comparison to what people have faced throughout church history, we're, we're, we're not facing anything that's really that difficult. Really? Right? But in our context, it's hard. It really is. And God understands that. He knows 
what we're made of. Job said, he, he, know, he, he knows the path I take. He knows what I am. And when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. And, and while, while Jesus has not forgotten about us, he does allow us to go through uh, situations. He does allow us to go through difficult times because he wants, he wants uh, his gospel uh, to, to be seen at work in us and, to, and his grace to be seen at work through us. Uh, because here's the truth. Persecution provides gospel opportunities. When we come under persecution, when we come under opposition, it gives us a great opportunity to share the gospel. It gives us a great opportunity to show us what Jesus Christ is really like and how he's changed our lives. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good. All things work together for good. Not some things. Not, not, we know that the enjoyable things work together for good. No, all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. If you are a child of God, if you are following Jesus Christ, if you are earnestly uh, and, and uh, faithfully, sincerely giving yourself to, to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, then you can mark it down that anything that goes on in your life has gone by God for His approval, and, and, and He's going to give you He's going to give you just uh, the, He's going to give you the grace that you need to go through that difficulty. He's going to give you the grace and the strength that you need to face that opposition. He's going to be there with you in the person of the Holy Spirit and he's going to help you to maintain a, a good testimony so you can have an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody because you don't know what Saul is watching. You don't know who is watching you. You don't know who is standing around, who is maybe even taking part in that opposition that the Holy Spirit is drawing them through your testimony. In Philippians uh, Saul, who became Paul, later wrote this to, to one of the churches there, the church in Philippi. Uh, he said, only let your conversation or your way of life be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. He's saying, live your life in such a way that it's a good testimony. It's a good reflection on Jesus Christ and the gospel. He said that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. He said, he said you're, uh, that, that when I come and see you or else while I'm gone, I can hear that you are being faithful, working together as a church body, working together and being faithful to share the gospel and to see Jesus Christ magnified. And he goes on in... Chapter 1, verse 28 of Philippians, and he says, And in nothing terrified by your adversaries. He's like, you're going to have adversaries. And they're going to be, they're going to be, they're going to come, come against you in a strong way. But don't, but don't let that terrify you. The grace of God is going to be there with you. He said, and nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition. See, when you and I respond in a right way, when we show them, when we live in the peace that Jesus Christ gives, 
When we, when we demonstrate the joy in our spirit that the Spirit of God produces in us, when we love that persecutor the way that Jesus would have us to love them, it's going to show them that Jesus is real and that they are wrong. It's going to be, an, Paul said, it's an evident token of perdition. It's going, to, it's going to show them, hey, you've got it coming. This God that I'm trusting in, this Jesus Christ that I'm trusting in, he is going to sit on the throne of judgment one day. And he's not going to let these things go. He's not going to let it go unaddressed. Now, for those who are the persecutors who come to, to faith in Jesus Christ, their persecution, that, that sin that they committed in persecuting the believers, Jesus addressed that when he died on the cross. And for those of us who are saved, when we come under persecution, we, would, we should not seek for that person to be destroyed. We should not desire for that person to face eternity in hell. Our purpose in enduring the persecution should be to glorify God and to see that person saved. Years ago, I, I heard the testimony from a, a man. He was a, he was a Romanian uh, preacher, and he had been arrested and put in prison, and he had been beaten. He had been beaten for, because of his faith in Jesus Christ, and they'd make him, they'd make him stand for sometimes multiple days. And he couldn't, he couldn't move one way or the other. If he flinched, they'd come and beat him. Sometimes they just, they, they, they had, their, had their shoes wrapped in special material so, so they could walk up and he wouldn't even suspect them right behind him. And they'd take a club and just hit him with it. And he had to get back up and just stand there and take it. They beat him with their fist and kick him and all that. And one day, one day as they, as they brought him out of, out of his cell and taking him to the place of interrogation for his beating, he told, he told his interrogator, he said, he said, I need to apologize to you. Interrogators, what? Why do you need to apologize to me? And he said, it just, he said, it occurred to me that that when last week when you were beating me, last week was the week leading up to Easter, the day when we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He said, and I was reminded that my Savior suffered for me, and I have the privilege of suffering for Him. And last week, during that holy week, he said, you were beating me, and I was crying out and begging you to stop when I should have been thanking you for letting me suffer for my Savior. The interrogator stepped back and looked at him just bewildered and he told the soldiers, he said, put him back in his cell. Years later, the preacher was released from prison and he met the he met the interrogator 
And the interrogator told him, he said, when you were released, he said, I couldn't get you out of my mind. I couldn't get out of my head what you said. And so I did some research and I've come to faith in Jesus Christ. See, our response in persecution can be used by God to to lead someone to salvation. Persecution gives us uh, it, it, persecution provides gospel opportunities. So, uh, so he, he, said, he said, it's a token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. Paul is writing this from prison. Years ago, there was a, there was a pastor that uh, was a friend of mine, and he he was much older. In fact, he passed away last year. And uh, but he had a he he had a, a great ministry of of evangelism. And everywhere he would go, he was witnessing for Jesus Christ. And he he, he would always say he would always say for all these years, our motto has been the same: so as you go. Just sow as you go. Sow some seed of the gospel wherever you go. Let Jesus be seen. Verse 5, Acts 8. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria. So the persecution there in Jerusalem was such that the believers were scattered all around through all, through all Judea and into Samaria. And Philip, this is, Philip was one of, the, uh, one of the seven deacons that were chosen there with Stephen to serve the tables. And, and now the persecution is, has arisen. And Philip, the Bible says, goes down into the city of Samaria. Now for, for the, some of you uh, the younger generations and all of that, this Philip here is not this Philip here. I'm not that old, okay? Uh, and he spells it differently anyway. But uh, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. Now, this is, this is, a, wonderful, this is a wonderful miracle right here. And I say, I say a miracle, but this is this unusual uh, situation because the Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. You remember that from from the story of Jesus meeting the woman there at the well, the Samaritan woman, and he asked her to give him a drink, and she said, how is it that you being a Jew are speaking to me, a woman of Samaria? There was some animosity there. The Jews looked at the Samaritans like just animals, dogs even. And uh, because, because uh, some, some uh, of the, the people of Jewish bloodline had, had, had intermarried with, uh, with other people. And so, and they, they were, uh, so the, the people of Israel, they looked down on the Samaritans. And they had no dealings with them. Because they thought that that just made them holy or something like that. But I'm grateful for the gospel. The gospel doesn't lead us to look down on anybody. See, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. When we come to Jesus, we all come the same way. If we're going to be saved, we all come the same way in faith and repentance, in humility, realizing that we are sinners and He's the Savior. We can't save ourselves, so we must rely on Him. He did the work, the only work that is acceptable to God for our salvation. And so uh, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. Philip got under a burden for the people of Samaria. He's like, he's like hey, Jesus wants to save everybody, and, and He's put this love in me for everybody. I even love the Samaritans 
And somebody needs to reach them. So Philip went down to Samaria and began to preach Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake. Hearing and seeing the miracles which he did, God worked through Philip and, and helped him and empowered him to work some miracles there uh, in, in the city of Samaria. The Bible tells, uh, tells us, uh, it said, for unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them and many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. There were many people that were, that were uh, uh, afflicted physically. Some were afflicted spiritually, and they were possessed with devils. And, and Philip uh, went there and, and preached, and he, he cast out those devils. And, and through the power of the Spirit of God, he healed uh, those people of their infirmities. And the Bible says and there was great joy in that city. They saw the miracles that he was, that he was performing, and, and they heard the gospel. They believed the gospel. He preached Christ. He didn't, he didn't preach, hey, I, I'm speaking this over you, and, and I'm casting these devils out. Now, you just go and, you just go and, proclaim, uh, and proclaim that you're free. No, see, because, uh, because Jesus was very clear to say that, that if, if the devils leave a person and they don't, and they don't receive Christ then the end of that person will be worse than the beginning. He tells of, uh, of devils that, w- that go out of a person and, and they go to and fro and, and he comes back, the devils come back and they see this house as, it, as he called it, this person, uh, the, the, the devil's uh, house. He, he sees it swept and garnished. They, they turned over a new leaf. They tried something new. They got religion or whatever it was. And their house, their temple uh, was cleaned out. And the devil saw it and he's like, hey, I like this place. And he moves back in with seven devils worse than himself. Hey, there are a lot of people out there that are saying a lot and they might even be using the name of Jesus Christ, but if they are, but if they are not preaching the gospel the way that the Word of God gives it, if they are not preaching and being consistent with the Word of God, they are false teachers. Philip was preaching. Many heard the gospel. Uh, they, they saw the works. They were amazed, but they believed the gospel. And they were saved. And because of their trust in Jesus Christ, there was great joy in that city. Because when Jesus moves in, he produces great joy. I'm I'm grateful. This this passage, Acts chapter 8, it starts with great persecution. But here in in verse 8, it it talks about great joy that was a result of the work of the gospel. But you can mark it down. Anytime God is doing something, Satan's going to come along with his counterfeits. Satan's coming along with his counterfeits. We see the the deceit of a counterfeit ministry. There was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria. This Simon uh, was a a sorcerer, the Bible says. And sorcery is bad. There's not a good sorcerer. So we, we, need to not, we need to not think that sorcery is anything to be uh, desired. Witches and warlocks and sorcerers and wizards, it's, it's ungodly. It's, it's wicked according to the Bible. Take that for the truth because it's the Bible, okay? Uh, so, uh, Simon used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria. 
Notice this, giving out that himself was some great one. See, the things that he was doing was lifting himself up. It was getting attention for himself, making a name for himself. It says, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. The people were bewitched. They were, they were fooled. They were deceived into thinking that Simon was a, the, was a great man of God. The Bible says, to him they had regard because of a long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So these people who had been following Simon, now they're believing in Jesus and they're trusting in him and they were baptized. And, 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 and the Bible says, then Simon himself believed also. But as we, as we continue to read here, it doesn't seem that this is belief for salvation. The Bible says, you believe that, you, you believe that there's, there's one God? Well, good. That's good. The devils also believe and tremble. See, it's not enough to have head knowledge, to know. And that's the, that's the problem with so, so many people uh, that, that are religious. They have head knowledge of religion. They know some things about Jesus Christ, but they don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They've never trusted in him. And that's why Jesus said there will be many on that day that say, Lord, Lord, have we not preached in your name? And in your name cast out devils. And in your name we've done many wonderful works. We've done this stuff in your name. And he said, I'll say to you, I'll say to them, depart from me. I never knew you. Because their faith, their dependence was in their works, what they could do, and not what in Jesus Christ had done. Simon believed, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Oh, wow, look. Look at Philip doing all this great stuff. He said, now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John. Two of the disciples of Christ, the two apostles, came to, came to Samaria. It says, who when they were come down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was, uh, he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. And he said, give me this power also that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. I mean, you can imagine he's seeing Philip do these wonders and signs, and he's like, oh, I, I, want, I, want, some, I want some power. He sees Peter and John, and, and, and they're doing something that Philip's not doing. And Philip's got a ministry established now in, in Samaria. And, Philip, and Peter and John, they're just here visiting. And, and he's like, hey, guys, why don't you, here, I'll pay you some money. You can give me this power. So when you go back, Philip and I, we can have this good thing going. He can do the signs and wonders, and I can give him the Holy Spirit. Be careful about people who, think, who, who say that they can give you the Holy Spirit. 
This was a work that God did through the apostles. Jesus said to, to Peter, he said, he said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. And, and Peter, on the day of Pentecost, he opened the, he opened the kingdom. And here again, he's, he's moving out from just the Jewish nation to, to Judea and Samaria, and he's opening the kingdom. And later on, he goes to Cornelius, a, a, a Gentile, and he opens the kingdom to the Gentiles. Praise the Lord for the apostolic work of opening the kingdom of God, and, and I'm grateful for that. But it's, it's something that God did then, and he's not doing it today because it's already open. Praise the Lord. But there are people that want to call themselves apostles. They want to talk about they have the power. But if they had such power for healing and giving the Holy Ghost and things like that, why don't they go? Why don't they go to the hospitals, the cancer wards, the burn units? Why don't they go to, why don't they go to where, uh, where, where they, they find people who are broken rather than, rather than uh, trying to gather a big crowd for themselves, to make a name for themselves? We're proclaiming Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We lift up Christ. We want people to come so they hear about Christ, so they're freed by Jesus Christ. I don't have power to heal. I don't have power to cast out devils. I don't have power to, to save anybody. I don't have the power to give the Holy Spirit, but I do have the power of God. And, the, and this is what the Bible says. The Bible says, uh, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. I have the power of God because I've got the gospel. You want the power of God at work in your life? Preach the gospel to somebody. That is the power of God. I think of Luke 16, the rich man in hell. The Bible says he lifted up his eyes and cried out and, and he begged Abraham to send Lazarus to dip his finger in water and cool his tongue. He said, because I'm tormented in this flame. Abraham said, he can't do that. There's a great gulf fixed between me and you. And the rich man said, well, if, if he can't come to me and bring me water, will, will you at least send him? Uh, and Lazarus had already passed away at that point. He said, will you, will you at least send him to my father's house? He said, I've got five brothers. And, and let him warn them and, uh, lest they come to this place of torment. And Abraham said, that your brothers, he said, they have Moses and the prophets let them hear them. They've got the scriptures. Let them hear it. The rich man said, no, 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 no. He said, they're, they, he said, they're not going to believe that. He said, but if one went to them from the dead, they, they would believe that. Abraham said, no. If they're not going to believe the scriptures, neither would they believe even if one rose from the dead. Hey, there is one that rose from the dead. And he's given us a message. And we're preaching that message that Jesus Christ will save sinners. And if they will not hear that, if they will not hear the message of the gospel, signs and wonders aren't going to open their eyes. Often we see counterfeit ministries arise because of a desire for power and influence. They want recognition. 
They want, they want influence in people's lives. Many times they will profess faith in Jesus Christ, but, but there, there, are, there are people who, who, are oppo- who are opposers of the gospel, who are actively involved in witchcraft, who have said many times we will pose as preachers. We will pose as believers to infiltrate a church to lead people astray. They'll profess faith. They'll misapply biblical truths because it's appealing to people to hear it the way we want to hear it. But hey, hey, here's the thing. This isn't Burger King. You don't have it your way, right? Is that an old commercial? Anyway. um, They misapply biblical truths or they market the works of God. Why is it that healing, that healing services are often taking place in big coliseums at, at the price of a ticket? I believe, in, I believe that God has the power to heal. But He does it His way. We see a contrast here between this counterfeit ministry this person who was interested in, in having the Spirit of God so he could be giving the Spirit of God. And, and notice, notice Simon here, uh, he's, he's all about, he's just talking about the Spirit of God. But here's the thing that Jesus said. He said, when the Comforter has come to you, he said, he's going to lead you into all truth. And he will not speak of himself. He said, he'll speak of me. The Holy Spirit is not going to be building up the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to be building up the ministry of Jesus Christ. So if there's a ministry, if, there's, if there are people out there that are making, making a, a, a huge deal of the Spirit of God, according to Jesus, that's not the Spirit of God. Because the Spirit of God is going to be making much of Jesus. As we continue reading, we see, uh, we see, uh, we see uh, that Simon's, Simon had a desire for, for this counterfeit ministry. But then we see, we see genuine gospel ministry. Philip is called away, or he's, he's led away by, uh, by God. By, he's led by the Spirit of God to go down into the wilderness and there he meets one man. He leaves Samaria where this a great work of God, a great move of God is taking place. The whole city is coming to Christ. And God leads him away because he's interested in one man. He's wanting to reach one because he's not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. And next week we're going to talk more about that man's story. But Philip didn't go there and preach the Holy Spirit unto him. He didn't go there and preach good works unto him. He preached Jesus. And that man trusted in Jesus as his Savior and took the gospel back to his home of Ethiopia. Acts 8.25 says, And when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, 
returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. See, as we, as we serve the Lord, we're going to face opposition. Persecution, though, is going to give us gospel opportunities. And in those, as, as God begins to work through those opportunities and begins to change lives, don't be surprised if counterfeits pop up here and there, trying to lead people astray, trying to deceive people. But stay faithful. Stay in the Word of God. Stay faithful to Jesus Christ. Continue preaching the gospel. Peter and John rebuked Simon. They told him, they said, your money perish with you. They said, I perceive you're in the, the gall of bitterness and the bond of iniquity. He was envious and jealous. He wanted this power for himself, not for the glory of God. But there'll be counterfeit ministries. But here's what we do. Always compare it to the Word of God. Always compare it to the Word of God. And the, the truth will expose the error. And stay faithful, continuing to preach the gospel. The gospel continued and prospered. See, we have been given a ministry We've been given a mission to preach the gospel. But what about when opposition comes? Preach the gospel. What about when pain and, and suffering comes? Preach the gospel. What about when, when, false, uh, when false doctrines are, are preached and, and, and counterfeit ministries pop up? Preach the gospel. We just preach the gospel. Give them Jesus. He'll change everything else. Amen? Amen? That's what we need, church. There's lots of sensational things out there. There's lots of, of glitz and glamour to catch your eye and to, to draw you astray into some, into some uh, false teaching or to sidetrack you from the ministry that God has called us to, and that is the gospel. Stay faithful, and let's preach the gospel. Amen? Hey, I... Uh, this morning, if, if you're saved, if you've trusted Jesus as your Savior, you have a responsibility to carry the message of Jesus Christ to the world. You have the, you have the responsibility to share Jesus Christ with people, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, in our context, Pasadena is our, is our Jerusalem. Judea and Samaria, that would be like L.A. County and, and neighboring, neighboring uh, cities and all that. But unto the uttermost parts of the earth, that's going everywhere we can with the gospel. It's supporting others to, so they can go. It's, give, it's giving financially to, uh, to the work of Crosspoint so that we can, so we can get the gospel out and also giving to missions, to mission projects through Crosspoint so we're able to support ministries, uh, ministries like, like Eric and Holly Johnson there in the Dominican Republic preaching the gospel. They've planted four or five churches now. Praise the Lord for that. So we can support people like uh, Kyle and Annie uh, uh, Sheridan down in, down in, in, uh, in Chile. 
uh, they are, uh, and, and I know I butchered that pronunciation probably, but, uh, but I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I have a hard time with English. I'm Southern, right? Uh, so, uh, but uh, down there in Chile and, and they, and they're preaching the gospel there. We're uh, supporting uh, Kyle, at, uh, Kyle and Abby uh, Guins over in France, in Paris, preaching the gospel there. And we're, we're supporting uh, Mike and, and uh, Teresa Gardner who, who are helping churches get started, church plants get started. And, uh, and I believe they're in Alabama right now uh, ministering. And, and God is opening the opportunities for us to participate in more and more and more. And I'm trying to, I feel like I'm missing somebody, uh, but. Uh, oh, yes, uh, uh, the Finleys, Caleb and Autumn Finley, they're up in the Bay Area planting a church up there. Hey, God is doing a work and we're having a part in it in our Jerusalem, our Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Those aren't the only ones we, we want to support. Oh, also, uh, 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 Ger- Garen Patrick and, uh, and his wife Annalise over in Nigeria. God has given us this opportunity. And hey, today you have an opportunity to minister the gospel to somebody. How can you do that? Our church has taken part in Operation Christmas Child. And we want to, we want to pack these boxes back here with gifts and, sit and bring them back. So next week, we've got to have them back next week. And we want, so we can send them, uh, send them through Operation Christmas Child uh, to some children around the world. And with, with those gifts, they will receive the message of the gospel. We have an opportunity, church. Let's not let this slip through our hands. Let's be faithful. But let's not just send our money to the missionaries. And let's not just send, uh, send the, the gifts overseas. But let's be witnesses ourselves right where God has us. The ladies had their, their uh, conference the other night. And, and the, the, the theme of it was grow where he planted you. Hey, God wants you to grow where he's planted you. He wants you to grow and prosper and produce fruit where he's planted you. Right here in our Jerusalem, let's be faithful to take the gospel, the gospel that will not return void, and let's share the truth of Jesus Christ and his love and grace with somebody. Let me challenge you to see if you can share it with somebody every day. Tell somebody about Jesus every day. And let's see what Jesus does. Amen. The church was scattered, but it thrived through the persecution. The church, although, although, although it was scattered around, they were faithful serving Jesus Christ and seeing what Jesus would do.